Matt Mosley Show. Babe Laufenberg joining us now, ESPN Central Texas. And, Babe, a lot of news. Only the Cowboys are trying to watch AFC-NFC championship games. And, of course, Cowboys news breaks during one of the games. Babe, we've uh, we've done this long enough to be very used to this, the Cowboys getting involved. <laughs> Unfortunately, they weren't playing on conference championship weekend, but they did make some news, didn't they? They certainly did. And there's a great line from an Elvis Costello song, Mose. And he says, well, I used to be disgusted, but now I try to be amused. <laughs> so nothing, honestly, nothing surprises you. And it, with all the changes that have been going on, um, it, it it's what happens when a team goes now, 17-game schedule, 3-14, and 14, right, or 5-12. and 12. Rams went 5-12 and 12 this year, and uh, they had a lot of staff turnover. I don't know that I've seen a team go 12-5, and five, win a playoff game, and look very good doing it, by the way. Everybody kind of forgets about how well they played against Tampa Bay. And, uh, and then you fire half your coaching staff. <laughs> so, again – just it's always a stay tuned situation here is it not <laughs> it really is and i'm wondering what you think about kellen moore in particular of, of these moves he gets hired immediately with the chargers you were around him you kind of heard him explain things and his thought process he obviously had some really good moments the results were good in in, in terms of where they were ranked um but there's always a fall guy involved what do you think this is about exactly, this move? Is it about Mike McCarthy wanting to maybe call the plays? Is it about, hey, maybe Dak needs a, a different voice in his ear? What do you what, – how does this thing kind of strike you in terms of how they ended up making this decision? Well, I'm not privy to all of that information, obviously, and, and they're usually fairly complex and nuanced, and uh, especially when you have the success – that they have had with Kellen Moore. Here's just a quick, I know everybody wants something different. Parcells used to say, everybody wants different until different isn't any good anymore. And then they want different from different. (laughs) It's just so true. It's just so true. So in in the four years that Kellen Moore was here as the play caller, right? They were top four. They were top four in points per game, yards per game and third down conversions. And if, if I've always said, if you want to be a good offense, you got to be able to convert on third down. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Kansas City was number one in the NFL this year, and we know where they are. Um, so th- th- this hasn't been a bottom feeder team. Um, now, if, do you want to move on for whatever reason? Feel free. It's your prerogative, right? It's your choice. I can't imagine that telling more relief would be too strong a word, but if you told me, hey, you, we're firing you, uh, and we're going to make you go work with Justin Herbert, <laughs> I'd say, where do I sign? Give me the exit papers. <laughs> I mean, to, to get the opportunity to work with Herbert, and I bantied this around a little bit, if they had fired Brandon Staley, which they did not uh, with the Chargers. But, you know, at the end of the year, they had to collapse, obviously, in the playoff game against Jacksonville and on and on. And there was rumor he may or may not survive that but which would you where would you like to go if you were Sean Payton and you had your choice of places and the money was equal and all that 
um, I think you'd say, you know, give me that Justin Herbert kid. You had Russell Wilson in Denver, and you were going to have to try to get him back to where he was. You had the Arizona job that was open and still is, and you got to decide, do I want a 5'9 quarterback and all the issues that seem to come with Kyler Murray, or you were going to be in Carolina and Houston uh, where you're kind of most likely looking for a quarterback. So to me, I don't know if, I don't know if um, Caleb Moore could have landed in a better spot. Would you agree? Yeah, I do agree, and it kind of sets up a possible interim coach situation. If Staley gets off to a rocky start, you're right. There was talk about possibly firing him, so it's really interesting that Kellen Moore now on the staff, and uh, that's how we are in the media sometimes, at least you know that cynical, wait, who would be the interim coach? Right. Well, of course, they haven't even right. started next season, but you do have to look at the ways these things end. Talking to Babe Laufenberg on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. What about Mike McCarthy now? I mean, in a sense, if he does call plays, this is kind of a sink or swim. And again, like you said, they've won, what, 25 games the last two years. Let's not act like it's been a, you know, utter disaster, but they can't, they haven't been able to break through to where they want to get, which, by the way, hadn't happened in, what, 27 years um, since they've been to a conference title game. But what do you think? Do you think Mike has been kind of wanting to get this back and wanting to have a go at this the whole time? And, and do, you, do you sense maybe uh, some excitement from him for getting to get back to what he did in Green Bay? Because, in a sense, it was a little weird. You hire a guy that's always called plays, and he says, no, Kellen's going to call plays. And he kind of sits over there. He's got a nice chart, keeps the chart kind of folded in two. And, yep. and it's like, well, this is interesting. What, how do you, what do you make of Mike McCarthy possibly being the play caller now? What was interesting to me, and we'll backtrack a little, but you touched on it. When he got here, he said, we're going to continue with Kellen Moore as the play caller. So he relinquished play calling duties to Tom Clements, who was the quarterback coach in Green Bay. I believe it was the 2016 season mm-hmm. that lasted 10 games and Clements had been a long time um, assistant of his in green Bay. So it wasn't like something you hired this guy and you go, Oh my goodness, this isn't working out. Um, but then he took that play calling that season. I don't think their relationship has ever uh, been the same Tom Clements that is. And, uh, and he said at the time, I, I will never do. I will never relinquish play calling duties again. I will never do that again. Then he got here, and he was not the play caller. So I don't know if for three years he was chomping at the bit to get back at it. I will say this too, Mose. You know this. Hey, if they say, well, maybe it's a different voice in Dak's ear. He's a head coach. <laughs> he always had the ability to get uh-huh. into Dak's ear, right? I mean. It's one thing if you're down the totem pole and you say, man, I'd really like to do this with Dak, but I've got this offensive coordinator over me and I got the head coach and I got all these people and I'm, I'm really not, not my, my job, not, not my place to do that. You're the head coach. If you don't like something, you go right in, you go into Kellen Moore's office, you go into Doug Nussmeyer, who was a quarterback coach who, oh, by the way, won't be here again next year either. And you tell them, Hey, here's what we're going to do. So, It'll be interesting, and uh, I am not – I don't know if we've talked about this. I've, I've said it many times, but I'm not really hung up on play callers and, you know, guy calling plays. 
it's the work that you do during the week and, and game planning for teams and trying to figure out a way to attack them. Uh, I do know this, you're a lot better play caller when you have good players. <laughs> That's true. I, it was funny the other day, the celebration of Dan Quinn. Think about that. He, he, what Mike, I guess, came back out and addressed it afterwards and, and said, hey, great to have Dan back. And it was kind of like, well, there's one staffer that they wanted to keep here. And, of course, there's a few staff members on the defensive side, but it's like, you're right. I mean, cleaning house after going 13-6 to is kind of rare. But I do think there is something Jerry does kind of like to keep people a little uncomfortable. You remember that after Wade Phillips? Wade Phillips got a a little bit of an extension one time, and Jerry, even at that press conference, was kind of like, hey, this isn't going to be a long one. I can't remember what it was, but you remember it was kind of like, he wanted to keep everything uncomfortable a little bit, keep everybody right. on edge, and that may right. be a little of what's at play here. Well, I always think you got you got the wrong guy if the only thing that's going to keep you on edge is that you might lose your job, right? I mean, <laughs> these coaches, yeah. these coaches <laughs> should want to do a good job. I, I don't need Dak doesn't need a quarterback behind him to push him. I mean, hey, I'd be all for getting a guy in there. I've, I've been for drafting a guy every year. Not an indictment on Dak, but you see it time and again. I mean, shoot, look at Philadelphia. They, they use a second-round pick when they've got a guy that was a, one of the leading candidates for NFL Player of the Year in Carson Wentz, but they drafted another one. I'll go to Washington. They took RG3, right? In that same draft, in the fourth round, they took Kirk Cousins. Well, <laughs> Kirk Cousins is, is playing and making a lot of money. And uh, RG3 is doing what we do now, Mose, and has been for about the last three years. So yeah. I, I think it's always a good – I don't think of it as a backup quarterback, but just a backup plan. Keep developing these guys, and uh, you just never know when, when you're going to need them. Hey, Brock Purdy. <laughs> I know he was a seventh rounder, but, you know, they just got Trey Lance. They, number one, what do we need a quarterback for? Well, he came in pretty handy. When you look at Dak and you look at all those interceptions this year, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting thing to kind of analyze. And you could look and go, okay, that wasn't his fault. That one wasn't his fault. But some of them were. I mean, there were pick yep. sixes in there. There were and, and the concerning ones, obviously, even more than anything, the red zone picks. You know, not all interceptions, obviously, are the same. But the, right. this this whole concept of Dak needs to be – Fixed. Okay, who can fix Dak Prescott? Is that overblown? Is, in, in, when you kind of look at this season, do you think you, you just got a guy that got kind of in a bad slump in a sense, and, and this is maybe an aberration season? How do you how, what, What's your kind of biggest takeaway when you think about all those uh, interceptions? Because obviously it played a big role in their season ending early. It did, and – you, you do have to look at each interception individually. And it's so funny too, Mose, because we're all, I don't want to say guilty, but you know, let's say I, I come home from the Cowboy game. I don't see the other games played in the afternoon. And I see Joe Blow through three interceptions. And I was like, you know, the natural reaction, right, is, wow, yeah, he had a bad game. And then you look and one ball is tipped at the line of scrimmage and another guy, the receiver falls down. So you, you really do have to look at each interception individually and when he was at 14 i went back I, I looked at all the interceptions seven of them i by my count were, were not on deck um you know the noah brown the play in jacksonville mm-hmm. 
goes off his chest and to pick six and it ends the game and it goes down. So when we get to the end of the season and say that led the league in interceptions, that happened. But you got you got to look at him. I'll, I'll even give you the the sideline route against uh, San Francisco in the playoff game. Michael uh-huh. Gallup, that ball. I don't care who's throwing the ball. That was one of the worst routes you can possibly run. I mean, he comes <laughs> up, he, he comes out to the sideline. You're supposed to work back to the quarterback, and the quarterback is counting on you running the route the way you drew it up, and the ball's gone before you come out of your break. I mean, we could all see it, right? We could see the corner in front of him, but Dak can't wait. If he if he waits that long, you're late with the ball. He was a little late with that one, but long and short, you know, I, I put I put a good deal of that interception on the route. The worst thing that should have happened on that ball in San Francisco is it gets knocked down. The defender knocks it down, or the receiver and defender battle for it, and he gets knocked to the ground, and we go on to the next play. But uh, clearly it wasn't the worst thing that could happen. But, again, I, I looked at a lot of those things. Um, there was a crossing route in that San Francisco game, third and eight. They're, they're in the knocking on the door for red zone. They ended up with a field goal. And, you know, C.D. Lamb, he's running this crosser. He stops, he starts, he stops, he starts. I'm like, where? I mean, Dak was, threw it to him. He threw it behind him. I don't know if you know, know the play, but uh, yeah, he's, he's thinking he's going to sit down. And if if you look at it from the quarterback standpoint, you just say, okay, do something. I always remember, I watched a, a uh, clinic by Lincoln Riley, and he said, it's better to be decisive than to be right. Meaning just do something and let the quarterback know, you know, man, you're going to run away, zone, you're sitting it down. Even if it's man coverage and you sit it down, then it's up to the quarterback. He can go away. So you're wrong in the route, but at least you're decisive. And that's what got him on, on that particular play. So you can go through each, which I do, <laughs> you can go through each play and say, well, that, that kind of screwed him there and that screwed him there. But uh, the, the other part of it, very quickly, I know that's a long-winded answer, but uh, Dak has not been a guy who throws a bunch of interceptions, right? Mm-hmm. If this was a thing each year where you know, Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions in, uh, in uh, last year in Tampa, and he threw a bunch before that, and he threw a bunch after. Um, Dak has not been that guy. Matter of fact, his rookie year, that's all you got to do. You don't have to get him better going forward. You got to go back and say, wait a minute, this guy, his rookie year, had 23 touchdowns and four interceptions on the season. So maybe you bring back Jason Garrett is what I'm saying. No. <laughs> wait, wouldn't that go over big? <laughs> Well, a guy who didn't really probably want to give up play calling but was forced to, and as I recall, was that Bill Callahan? I mean, who who he had to give it up to was someone that honestly didn't even have a complete feel for the offense at the time. And I, I think yeah. – um, Callahan yeah. and then Linehan. Linehan took if, over if, after if, that. If your name then ended with Han as the last syllable, <laughs> you could be the OC. <laughs> Linehan, Callahan. And then uh, obviously Kellen Moore, the the final year there. But um, yeah, well, yeah. And the, uh... One thing about Dan Quinn coming back, um, it's like in the restaurant business. You know, they say you got to touch tables. You know, you come out as the manager and hey, everything good here. You good here? Do you guys need anything here? You touch tables, right? And I think as that head coach, you're doing the same thing. Training staff, equipment staff, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator. You kind of got to touch tables. When you become that play caller, 
these guys are kind of going to have to, I don't want to say fend for themselves, but you can't be in all the meetings. I can't be in a defensive meeting because I'm installing the offense. I can't be in the special teams meeting. So I, I think at that point, you got to have strong coaches there. And I think that, quite honestly, Mose was as big a reason as any. And there's a lot of reasons why you want Dan Quinn back. But, but Dan Quinn had a strong personality. He's a leader. And having been a head coach, McCarthy can turn his attention to play calling and say, Dan, hey, you handle that. You handle that. Just come back to me. Let me know what we're doing on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, almost like two head coaches right there on the staff. Yeah. and. That can always uh, work, you know, work either way on that. All right, babe, that, that was fun. The next time you come on, let's talk about the state of officiating in the NFL right huh. now. <laughs> well, very quickly, because I'm watching the game. The, the late hit is going to be a late hit today, tomorrow, yeah. next week. I mean, it was a late right. hit. Was, you're going to flag that every single time. And the intentional grounding, the minute I saw it and I was watching with a football guy, we both just said, it's intentional grounding. And, you know, 15 seconds later, because there's a mechanics to it, it's, it's never like a late call. It's, there's a mechanics to how that gets called. But I'm like, that's intentional grounding. And it, sure, it was, you know, they called it. So if you're a Cincinnati fan, you may say, oh, that was, that killed us. That killed us. Yeah, but you know what? Those, those are going to get called every time. Yeah, I agree. That third and nine that they got over, though, where they can't, they couldn't get a call, a play stopped, and they let the play yeah. happen. Uh, that didn't lead to anything, fortunately, but that's a mess when everybody in the no, stadium that, that and was. broadcasters. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a. But fortunately, a... I was surprised CBS didn't pick it up immediately because I kept saying, show us the wide shot. And then if you're watching that, excuse me, if you're watching that game, ultimately they did show the wide shot with the official running in with his arms waving. Mm-hmm. And so he was trying to stop it, but that was, uh, I, won't, I won't lie to you, that was a little odd. Yeah, it just felt odd, and maybe he started in a yep. little too late. But, uh, yep. well, babe, I, I appreciate it. Uh, great to catch up with you. And, okay, uh, well, thank you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thanks. There he goes. Babe Laufenberg, longtime CBS TV anchor, as well as a former Cowboys quarterback, all-around good guy, and then the radio analyst for the uh, Cowboys Radio Network. You hear him with Brad Sham. All right, always good to 